Good morning. It is good to see everyone here today. I know we have visitors with us today because it is Mother's Day and you are here to visit your mother. I also know we have some people who are in town for graduations and whatever the reason, we're glad you're here with us at the Willow Avenue Congregation today and we hope that you'll be back with us tonight if you can as we meet at 6 o'clock. I had totally forgotten that it is Mother's Day. We were out of town this last week. I'd gone to a gospel meeting in Texas, and uh, while we were out there, we had two baptisms and we had three restorations, and I went to World Video Bible School and I filmed four videos, and an 18-wheeler hit the rear of our van while we were going down the interstate, and so all of the things going on I had forgotten that it was Mother's Day, and so someone noticed in the bulletin, and they said, uh, it's Mother's Day, and you're preaching on pride goes before destruction. Are you uh, implying something there? And I said, no, not at all. I totally forgot that it was Mother's Day. So when I got back, I made a last-minute change to this morning's sermon. And so this morning, we are actually going to talk about something called posthumous influence. Do you know what the word posthumous means? It's a word that we don't use very often. It's a word that means something that continues after I am dead. You know, sometimes maybe a person will be deserving of some great uh, award of some type. Maybe it's a military service, but the person will die before they get the award. And it will be said that they are giving the award to this lady or this gentleman posthumously. And what it means is we are giving it after the person is dead. We are giving it in their honor. And so today we're going to talk about the influence that we have after we finish our life here. And it ought to be a great influence. It ought to be a great motivation to us to be what God wants us to be because the influence that I exert right now in this life is not going to stop abruptly the day that I die. It's going to continue after I die. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what effect your life will have after you leave this world? Will there be good things that have been set in motion by you that will continue to happen after you have left this world? Will there be souls that will continue to be saved because of the things that you did while you were here? Or will there be bad things that will last for generations because of you? You know, there used to be a song that was sung in which were these words, just a grave in the veil in the valley and a memory of me. What about the memory of you? What am I beginning? What am I setting in motion right now through my influence that will continue in generations to come? You know, the Bible teaches that we set powerful influences in motion that will last into eternity. Longfellow said it this way. He said about influence, it is the uninterrupted breath that inspires a thousand lives. Now, today is Mother's Day, and I know that for some of you, this may be your first Mother's Day without your mother because she has left this world. In fact, I know that is the case because I know the situations of some. But I decided to talk about this this morning 
because there is a very strong chance that you are who you are today because of the influence of your mother. Your mother's influence lives on in your life even though your mother may have already left this world. I want to begin this morning and show you posthumous influence in the Bible. And then secondly, I'm going to show you some examples of people whose influence lived on long after they did. And then finally, we're going to make some practical applications to our lives today. So I want to begin with some examples of posthumous influence in the Bible. Here's the first one. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. The Bible says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Now, who is that? That's a reference to Christians, right? Blessed are Christians because we die in the Lord. Yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their, from their labors. Now watch this part. And their works do follow them. What does that mean? Their works do follow them. It means that the influence that they exerted while they were on this earth continues after I am gone. Their works do follow them. Listen to this one, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. This goes back to the Old Testament. It goes back to Genesis chapter 4. You remember Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, and you remember how things occurred with them. Both of them worshipped God. Both of them sacrificed to God. But with one of the sacrifices, God was pleased, and with the other, he was not pleased. And of course, this is very important to us because it reminds us that our worship has got to be what God says if it's going to be acceptable to God. God is not obligated to accept our worship. You know, this is very important in the Church of Christ today because we have some saying, ah, it's not that big a deal, we can change this, we can change that, don't split hairs over things like this, but we see that it matters to God. And so with Abel's sacrifice, God was pleased. Abel did what God said in worship, but not so with Cain. Cain did what Cain wanted to do in worship, and it was contrary to God's will, and God did not accept Cain's worship. Now, it is about Abel that you read in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He's counted as righteous because he offered to God and worship what God asked for. God testifying of his gifts. Now, here's the part. Listen to this. And by it, he being dead still speaks. What does that mean? He's gone. He's long been dead, but his life still speaks to us. He's still an example to us. What a remarkable idea. How do you put that into words? What is he saying here? This is posthumous influence. Each of us will have that. What will you leave when, this, when you've gone from this world into the Hadean realm? How will people think of you? Will they be stimulated to live a faithful life because of you? Or will you have done things that cause them to be unfaithful? All right, here's the second point. I want to talk about some people whose influence lasted long after they did. You know, God has a remarkable and miraculous way that he can look farther into the past and into the future, and he can look back for generations and say, this is where posthumous influence came into play. And so 
God can look at me right now and He can look at you and He can look at your good characteristics and your bad characteristics and He can say, I know where Don got that. I know that 250 years ago, this came from his great-great-granddaddy and it's been passed on and it's still influencing him. Let me show you an example of this thing occurring in the Bible with a man whose name was Jeroboam. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of history first to set it up, and then I'm going to talk about it. You remember that Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons that we call the sons of Israel. They were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and so forth, 12 sons. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and that's why we refer to the 12 tribes of Israel. They were God's people, God's chosen people. But there came a time when the 12 tribes of Israel wanted to be like the nations round about them. And so they said, give us a king. Now, they didn't really want a king, but they thought they wanted a king so they could be like the nations around them. And so God granted them that. God gave them a king. And then you remember the kings. They had Saul, and they had David, and they had Solomon. And then Solomon gets old. And it's time for his son to take the throne. His son's name is Rehoboam. And you remember that Solomon had plenty of wisdom. But his son Rehoboam does not have plenty of wisdom. And the people become uneasy. And so they go to Rehoboam and they said, Look, your dad was hard on us. We want you to lift our burden. And Rehoboam, you remember, he consulted with the older men and he consulted with the younger men. And Rehoboam comes back And he flexes his muscle and he says, you know what? I'm going to be tougher than my daddy ever was. And it so angered the people that he split the kingdom of God, the nation of Israel, in half. But it wasn't a 50-50 split. Essentially, he took 10 tribes and they became the northern tribe of, of Israel, the northern nation of Israel. And then two tribes became the southern nation of Judah. Benjamin and Judah only became the southern tribes. Anyway, the ten tribes that left Rehoboam, they picked a new king. And his name was Jeroboam. But Jeroboam was not a good man. In fact, he was a very evil man. Now, I want you to listen to this passage. This is 1 Kings 12, beginning in verse 25. Listen how the Bible describes him. But Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim. And he dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and he built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then will the heart of the people turn back to the Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. In other words, what he's saying is this. i got to take control of this situation. Because the center of worship is in the southern kingdom in Judah. And if they start going down there to Jerusalem to worship God like he commanded, he said, pretty soon what's going to happen is they're going to forget about all of this and they're going to be worshiping God and then they're not going to need an extra king and so they're going to kill me. I've got to do something about this. So, verse number 28. Therefore, the king asked advice and he made two calves out of gold. And he said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, that ought to make you tremble. 
Who was it that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who was it that parted the Red Sea so they could walk across on dry land? It was the Almighty God. But Jeroboam said, see, these golden cows, these golden calves, they're the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now verse 29, and he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan, and this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places, and he made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day, likened to the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. Now, I want you to observe some things. Jeroboam changed the object of their worship. They're not worshiping Jehovah God anymore. Now they're worshiping these idols. Secondly, he changed the place of worship. It's not Jerusalem anymore. It's Dan and Bethel. He changed the priesthood. It's not the tribe of Levi. He picked out a new uh, priesthood, and it, were, it was men who weren't qualified to be priests. He changed the time of worship. He picked a similar day that was close, but not the one God designated. And so he redesigned the re religion of the people of God, and the people followed him. All right, back to the lesson. We're talking about posthumous influence. You might say, Don, how does that, how does that story relate to posthumous influence? It's in this. In the Old Testament, you will find some 20 times these words, or words very similar to them, the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Now, I want you to watch this. Jeroboam died in 954 B.C. He had reigned for only 22 years, and then he died. And in 678 B.C., 276 years after he died, you'll find these words in 2 Kings 17 and verse 22. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them. 276 years later. Now, brethren, here's the point. God has the capacity to look down on our families and on my family line and on my genealogy and yours and to see the whole line and to say, here's how Don is living, but I know where that influence begins. Now, don't get me wrong because I'm a free moral agent and I get to make my own choices, and yet who would not agree with the fact that we are influenced by the people who live before us? And so here's brother so-and-so. And I can see good things in his life. And they began with his great-granddaddy 276 years ago. Or we could say the same thing about evil. Here's something that's evil in my life. And God can say, I see the root of that. And it goes back 50 years to his granddaddy. And it was passed on to him. You know what you call that? That is posthumous influence. And in reference to the people of God, God said over and over and over again, I see the sin of the people of Israel. They are idolatrous. They don't love me. And I know where it started. It started back there with Jeroboam who made Israel to sin. Let me give you another one. King Ahab. 
Now, you remember King Ahab was a wicked king, and we maybe remember more his wife because she seemed to be more wicked than he was, Jezebel. Ahab's daddy, make note of this, Ahab's daddy was named Amri. He was king before Ahab was king. I want you to listen closely to the words of Micah 6 and verse 16. For the statutes of Amri, Ahab's daddy, are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you walk in their counsels. Now, why is that interesting? Why is that relevant to our lesson? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this statement is written 200 years after Amri died, and approximately 170 years after Ahab died, all of these years have passed, and yet God says these people are living this sin, and he says, I'll tell you where it came from. It goes back to Amri, and it goes back to Ahab. Their posthumous influence was wicked. Now, there's a flip side of this, of course, and aren't you glad there is? You think about the good that's in people's lives. People sometimes live a, a good life, and maybe they died years ago. They've long since turned to dust, and yet their good is continuing to live on after them. Think about people like Abraham. You know, some people have said that you could follow Abraham by the smoke of his altars. Righteous Abraham. Even today, we, uh, through the preaching of the Bible, we're still encouraged to live godly because of Abraham. We're still encouraged to put nothing before God because of Abraham. You know, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2, God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. He said, you need to offer your son, and that's exactly what Abraham did. And even today, we think about his posthumous influence, and we want to serve God. We want God to be a priority in our lives, and we think about Abraham. Think about Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. How many times have mamas sat down with their, little, their sweet little children and told them the story of Daniel and the lions? and about the decree of King Darius, and he made a petition that if anybody is going to make a plea to any god or any man for the next 30 days, he will be thrown in the lion's den. And Daniel learned about that decree, and Daniel went to his chamber, and he kept on praying to God just like he always had. Daniel, don't you know about the lion's den? Don't you know about this decree? He knew about it, but God took care of him. And the point is, even though Daniel has been dead for a long time, his influence continues to teach us what is right, and we learn from that. Think about Joseph. How many men have resisted the temptation to commit adultery because they remember the story of Joseph? They remember Genesis chapter 39 where Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph and she says, sleep with me, lie with me. And he left his coat in her hands and he got out of there. How many men have found strength in that because they learned from the influence of this godly man who lived long, long ago? How many of us have suffered in life, but we hung on partly because of the influence of a man named Job? I know that I have. I've taken great encouragement thinking about Job and studying Job, and yet that was thousands of years ago. 
And maybe one of the best illustrations in the Bible to make this point is Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Of course, it follows immediately Hebrews chapter 11. And what do we call Hebrews 11? It's the hall of faith, right? The great hall of faith. And so you've got all of these righteous individuals listed in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, by faith, by faith. All of these heroes. Then you come to chapter 12 and verse 1 and listen to what he says. He says, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that is, all of these heroes that I just listed, in light of that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The great cloud of witnesses here is the list of people from chapter 11. And what the Lord is saying is, you think about them and the fact that they were righteous and they are witnesses to the fact that you can do it that you can be faithful, that you can hold on. They've been dead for thousands of years, and yet they are still telling me, I can do it. I can do it. And it's partly because of the influence of these great heroes of faith who lived thousands of years ago. And so it is with my life, and so it is with your life, that today we set in motion things that continue after we die. Now, here's the third point. Let's make a practical application to our lives today. I want you to think very personally, think about yourself. What will I leave this world after I'm gone? What will you leave this world after you're gone? What will I leave to my children after I'm gone? It's Mother's Day. It's a good time to think about that. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to give you a personal example. This is a picture of Sherry's mother and her father. In the 1970s, Frank Shepard, that's Sherry's dad, was a Christian, and he was a tire salesman. He worked with another tire man who was not a Christian, and that was my dad. Frank offered to study the Bible with my dad. As a result, Frank came over to the house, and he taught my mom and dad the gospel, and they obeyed the gospel. They raised their sons in the church as a result of that, and their sons became Christians. As a result of that, now we're raising our children as Christians. I've become a gospel preacher, and I've done videos and work, and any conversions that I have made in my life are going to trace back to the work that he's done. Now, I've got three children that I'm raising as Christians, and so hopefully... I'm setting in motion a pattern which will go on for generations. In 2018, Frank left this world. He had cancer. But his posthumous influence, no doubt, is going to be around for hundreds of years to come on this earth. I want you to think about your own family. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian, but you have raised your children to love the Lord. And maybe you've changed the course because maybe there were bad influences, but now they're going to be good influences. And now for generations, it's going to be different. And your children and your grandchildren are going to be Christians. But you know, it works the other way as well. Because if a man drinks, he oftentimes sets, a, sets in motion a pattern 
that will affect his children and they'll be drinkers and his grandchildren. A dad who cheats and steals and lies oftentimes instills those qualities in his children and it will be passed on for generation and many years to come. A mother or a father who isn't concerned about spiritual things or who isn't faithful in their attendance, they are teaching their children who will one day teach their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And if you doubt what I'm saying, I want you to put it to the test. Can you think of bad habits or bad qualities that you have in your life that you can maybe trace to your parents or that you can trace to your grandparents? Posthumous influence. We have all heard the saying that no man is an island. We all touch the lives of others. And the lives that we live, the habits that we form, the examples that we set, we set in motion influences that will be here long after we're gone. That being the case, maybe this morning you need to become a Christian. Maybe you are on a bad trajectory, but you can change that. And maybe as a result of a decision you make today, you can change the course of your family for generations to come. Maybe this morning you want to obey the gospel. The Bible teaches to do that. You need to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If you want to do that this morning, we are ready to assist you. Maybe this morning you are here as a member of the Lord's church, and you need to take care of some matters in your life. Maybe they're public and need to be taken care of publicly, and you desire the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song?